Welcome to the Lore Life Podcast, where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. In this season three, we focus on small and big changes that will advance our well-being, personal and professional lives. On today's episode, we discuss focus. We're asking ourselves, how can we best avoid distractions and be efficient with our time? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Happy! Happy New Year, Darlene. Happy New Year. Happy New How's Year. 2020. What a great year. Right? 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very symmetrical. Actually, 2020 focus. Yes. Hey, how about that? Of course. Yeah. We did it on purpose. Uh-huh. This is the focus episode. How was your break? It was lovely. Yeah, it was very good. Um, most of the time spent at home, which is nice. It's nice to nest, to kind of, you know root in and do some stuff so that's been good and we have good we have good podcast news which we received i think was it in the new year or just at the end of the new year's eve i think is when they tell okay yeah and what is that news oh you're gonna give it to me to give oh okay well we're an award-winning podcast thanks to the canadian law blog awards which is very cool it's very lovely the way they do the whole process. They effectively ask people to nominate blogs, podcasts, and this year they they opened it up and added Twitter feeds and all kinds of things, like basically anywhere legal commentary or information being shared that's of benefit to lawyers. Um, and all of those avenues were open to awards and uh, Lawyer Life Podcast was one of the podcasts that they picked under the best podcast category. So we are very thrilled about that. And uh, it's gone to my head. Uh, Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What does this mean? Did you get a t-shirt printed? Well, you should see my entourage that's currently sitting behind me. I have management, (laughs) somebody who pours my water for me. (laughs) See, I don't have that person, as you know. I owe them a lot of money, so I hope that this thing pays off. Yeah, I hope that clobby comes through for us. Mm -hmm. Stay with me, guys. Stay with me. If I were ever to have an entourage, the water person would not be a required component. It's probably not a good investment. Not for me. No, no. We signed a contract. Right. Got to honor it. (laughs) Good. Um, How was your break? It was good. I made a lot of Lego and puzzles. So that was fun. I was using my brain in a different way. Um, And so what I noticed and what kind of had led to this idea to talk about focus today is that... I was off from December 24th until yesterday. And that's a good long chunk of time. And during that time, I would say I fully unplugged mentally by December 29th, I would say, which is right. was shocking to notice because um, that's how long it took me to just be sitting and doing a puzzle and not thinking of something else. Five days. So through Christmas, through excitement, all that stuff. Um, but by the time that it happened in those moments, when I was sitting there just doing the thing that I was doing, it felt really great and rejuvenating. Yeah. I had a couple of times during this break where I was sitting on the couch and I fully felt, uh, calm, Hmm. (laughs) like, and just very like, this is very nice right now. You know, and normally my mind is racing. And and so, but that happens, that happens on vacations. People always say that it's like, you know, it's not halfway through your vacation until you actually feel like you're on vacation. Then all of a sudden it's almost done. I wonder yes. why that is. Maybe we'll find out today as we go through what allows our brain and our bodies to stay focused on something. Okay. Shall we do that? Sounds good. 
So we both have done some reading research on the topic. This is one I'm actually personally extremely interested in. Um, and I, what, I, what I focused on learning was about like how we can leverage our biology and the way our brains work um, to ensure that we can focus on a task that we need to complete. That's where like I was really diving in. What, what kind of reading did you do? Well, I came across a book, I think last year in our goal setting episode, I talked about um, the success principles by Jack Canfield. That's sort of my goal setting go-to book. And uh, there's a really Mm -hmm. interesting formula that he lays out. We don't have to get into it here because there's a whole other episode on it in our goals, goal setting, I think 2019 episode. But he has another book, which I came across just randomly during the holidays called The Power of Focus. Power of Focus, how to hit your business, personal and financial targets with absolute certainty. So of course, this book appealed to me, I had to pick it up. And when I got into it, I think what I really what I'm interested in is this concept of just like, what are you focusing on? in the first place, which is always kind of where I like to start. You know, a lot of people kind of beat themselves up about, oh, I just can't focus. Well, maybe you really don't like what you're working on. (laughs) You know, like maybe you're demanding focus from yourself on things that you really don't want to be doing, as we discussed in my failure on my social media goal last year. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So this book goes into how do you, what is focus? What's the point of it? How does it kind of separate successful and unsuccessful people? Which brings me to my three questions, Darlene. What is focus? What's the point of it? And how does it separate <laughs> successful and unsuccessful people? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, the thing that jumped out at me in this book, he doesn't specifically define focus, I guess. But here's the, the quote that I would say kicks it off. He says, the main reason most people struggle professionally and personally is simply lack of focus. Successful people have successful habits and unsuccessful people don't. Very simple, actually. And then he goes deeper and says that really what separates people who are focused versus not focused is this concept of a no exceptions policy, which is fairly self-explanatory. But effectively, he's saying, if you have a focus, if you are focused and you have a goal that you're aiming for, there aren't really any exceptions unless you're willing to risk not hitting the goal. So it's a high bar, you know, Jack Canfield sets a high bar. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that speaks to me though, because the times in my life where I have really been driving at something without any exceptions, not giving myself a break and saying, oh, maybe I'll just, you know, do something different. um, That's when you're successful. So what do you think about that? Well, that sounds like discipline to me. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good place to start. Um, so it sounds like you're taking a look at the more like strategic umbrella, like what do you want to place your focus on, right? Like what are you choosing to turn to? Um, what sort of work do you want to do and, and how do you make sure that you stay on the path of doing that type of, of work, which I think is a great place to start because there's no reason to get into uh, the weeds until you, um, you know, establish that. Right. Um, it seems kind of daunting. It's kind of intimidating to think that there's no exceptions. That's a very, uh, yeah. High bar. Um, 
Was that his word? No the exceptions. No exceptions policy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. basically, his example in that part of the book is that if there are, if your goal is to exercise three times a week, right, then you need to make it happen somehow. Schedule it in. Um, don't wake up the morning of the th- third workout and say, "Oh darn, I have a meeting downtown, so I can't do my workout today." You know, that's that's the thing that he's thinking about. So. I think you have to not establish too rigid a goal, right? Like if you're if your goal yeah, is or not too many. Yeah, and the focus is really like one of the things that I have found helpful is that if I have something that I'm focused on at the moment, think about it before I go to sleep, just picture it, think about it when I wake up and then get it done. And one of the things that he says um is a way to get into something if you're daunted by it is to just do something easy that you know you can do. So he, I actually took this from two places. One, I've been reading this book, Tim Ferriss Titans for, I don't know, for ages. It's one of these books that you just kind of dip into, dip out of. Anyway, he's got a tip from Rick Rubin, who's a famous music producer. And he said that the way he gets artists unstuck is he gives them a little chunk of something that he knows they can do. And he says, here's your homework, go do that. And then by just unlocking a little bit of their talent, they can kind of open the door. So I think for me, that's kind of how I, um, I wouldn't have said that was a strategy, but that's sort of what I do. I do like a baby step, get it done, and then it's easier to keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very useful. And it reminds me, it kind of bridges into some of the reading that I did about motivation and focus. And um, your brain needs an emotional reward. It responds better mm. to an emotional reward than it does a logical reward, right? Yep. right? So um, that small, like doing a small thing, you can focus that small thing on something that is emotional, something that, you know, a feeling you're going to have when you're, you know, when you're doing a thing or, or something you actually really are looking forward to getting done could be your first small step to the larger bit. So um you know, if you just got new shoes for your workout, go put your shoes on because you're excited about that, whatever. Um, the interesting thing about getting into actual like now focusing on the task you've selected. So Darlene's talked about selecting a task, um, staying focused on the task you've selected and doing that thing. Um, one of the exciting things that I read about is that you can leverage dopamine in a powerful way by basically like having a reward for yourself at the end of the thing you need to do. And that will help. Dopamine is released when you're driving toward a reward uh, in your brain. So it will help your brain stay on the thing that you need to complete to get the reward. Hmm. Um, And I I just want to give one example because this clicked in my head. And I always thought this was like, a, tra- a tragic flaw that I have in myself. <laughs> Maybe it is. But many, many years ago, three of my friends and I uh, bicycled across Canada. This is like over a decade ago now. Um, and for a period of the trip, I was injured it was new, from New Brunswick to Montreal. So I had to go back and do that myself uh, after, the, after we completed our way um, uh, to Vancouver. Um, and I found it difficult to motivate myself because I was just alone and I could kind of figure out what my days would be. Uh, you know, maybe I, today I'm just not going to go as far or whatever. But um, one thing I had that worked was I had this like, this sounds stupid, but a really like you would want to picture like the best bag of trail mix. 
<laughs> like it had M&Ms in it. It was like in terms of like eating food that you can only fit on your bike, like some of the best stuff that I could access. And I would just tell myself, okay, when I if I do 80K today or if I do 100K today, when I set up my tent, that will be my reward is like getting into <laughs> a massive bag of trail mix. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> M&M laden trail mix. Um, but what ended up happening, so that worked and I motivated myself. But then when I, I, maybe this is not doing it properly. I don't know. But then when I got to set up my tent and all that, I would look at the bag and think, oh, I should, that should be the reward for tomorrow now. It turned out I never ate what? that. And I still have it. You yeah, still have it. Um, I still have it because it feels like a weird symbol to me. Um, uh, but anyway, the the point is, that is a if you have something character that character study of Mike Anderson, I know. Hang I on, know, I know. Can There's we just back there. up a second? Yeah. yeah. So, how many days were you when you did this? Like, I don't actually offhand know the distance from Montreal to New Brunswick. It, I think I was alone for just under just two under weeks? two weeks. Yeah. Okay. I think it was like 10 days so for, or something. For 10 days, you had this mental trick through like eight hours of biking and you didn't give yourself the reward for 10 days. Well, because I, I think that I knew I was using it I see. as a Okay, carrot. so you were like, if I so eat the carrot, when I, I won't be able there, to complete the journey. Yeah. And when I got there, I was like, okay, well, what's the point of eating this? Like I have other food. Why don't I save this good thing for my, so I can continue to motivate myself? I guess that's might've been what was going on. I don't know. I, and maybe there's more to unpack. We can do an whole episode on that. But the point is, uh, and it could be a useful device, I think, is when you have that thing that you don't necessarily want to do, if you attach that thing to a reward at, a reward at the end, you're more likely to focus on completing that task. So that's, I think, a really powerful thing that I learned uh, in in reading. And the second thing, and this made so much sense to me too, on how our brain works is, um, so dopamine is helpful and can make us focus on stuff with rewards. And then kind of on the other side of this, cortisol and other stress hormones are also really powerful in shifting our attention. And they are, are driving mm. our attention. And that happens when there's dangerous or scary things worth our attention. And totally. what this made sense to me was like, oh, that's why I'm so productive from 2 p.m. onward because I know five o'clock is coming. Hmm. And that I that's like not, you know, as scary or dangerous of a thing as like evolutionary when we were, you know, there's animals or whatever. But like, I know that that is I have to get the thing done by that time because I have to go, you know, pick up my daughter from daycare. I am far more productive in the afternoon, I think, because I'm being driven by that cortisol and other stress hormones, which probably isn't good for me. But um, but I think a lot of lawyers probably live in that type of focused motivation um, very often because of the way the practice works. Um, and I think we can all think of times when, you know, especially though those 12-hour workdays and blah, 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 blah. You're you're hyper focused and you're doing long stretches of difficult work. I am guessing I'm obviously not a neuroscientist, but I'm guessing some of that can be attributed to cortisol and other stress hormones keeping your focus on that quote unquote dangerous or scary thing. Yes, but I bet you there's also research out there that says that that is like poor attention, like fear based. Because one of the things that I've been working on a lot over the last five years, I would say is that I think it's easy and I think we're trained somehow somewhere 
to be fear motivated in our focus, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Stress, deadlines, like in school, it was always the due date. I have memories of my husband running down uh, Avenue Road with his paper in his hand, trying to get it in for the deadline at the law school. (laughs) Um, You know, we start early with this sort of uh, fear-based motivation. And I think for me, what's that's fine when you just have a couple of papers due, but it's not fine when you have a lot of different client matters to balance and you can get addicted to just being motivated by fear and stress. So what I've been trying to train myself to do is to work on things before they become stressful, before they're due. It's hard. It is a difficult thing to do because you automatically yeah. prioritize the fire. Um, but I think that just health-wise and stress-wise, I don't want myself to be in a stress mindset for a whole day. For example, like 12 hours of cortisol-fueled focus is hard on the body, Yes, in my opinion. So what I try to do in an ideal world, and this does not always work, and there are always situations where this is not possible. But I think if we try to strive for just like for me, I stop and I'm like, oh, there, you know, there I go again. Here I am last minute doing something out of fear that should have, I should have done this in the moment it arrived before it became stressful. Um, I think everyone can relate to that. And it applies to registering kids for camp, you know, like (laughs) you can do things before the deadline to minimize stress. And if you do that for 80% of the things that you have to do, then it's less hard on the body and mind when you do it 20% of the time where you really have no other option, right? It's just like practices. So the cortisol fueled focus is a thing, but it's also addictive in a weird way. And I think it's counterproductive over time. So I think if you start to depend on that, that's almost like a hook, right? It's like a, oh, well, if I can just let myself get into a highly stressed condition, I'll be able to get this done. Yes, but I do, I do wonder, I mean, sometimes I think maybe your best work is done in those moments just through adrenaline and you probably know more about this on the brain side, but sometimes I also think I do better work when I'm calm, you know, when yeah. I've got time to just lay it out and get it done. And, and you do more creative and strategic work, I think, when you're calm, right? And so yes, I think it's, you know, it reminds me a little bit of other reading I did about multitasking, which um, studies show that people who think they're great multitaskers actually do worse in laboratory tests on multitasking. <laughs> um, and in that, what I'm where I see that like the uh, the analogy is between the two things is when you're in that you know adrenaline or cortisol fueled moment you do think you're dialed in and you're doing great work, but I think it's also quite easy to not see what you're missing. Um, And, you know, there's always that example of you give someone a task and they just go insane on it. um, But don't think about where that document sits relative to other things and strategically, what's the best way to do this? And instead they focus too much on getting it done by X time, not on, um, you know, understanding the context that it's in. So it feels like, oh, I'm getting so much done. Um, and you might be getting a thing done, but it might not actually be the, the best approach or the best uh, output in the end. It's just completion that you're focused right. on. Um, and, and same with multitasking is you feel like, you know, you're getting more done. But what studies show is that the juggling causes, this is a great term, 
that I, I really like called a cognitive penalty. Um, hmm. And so as you bounce between the things, um, you're obviously, we all feel that like having to ground ourselves again and like, oh yeah, what was I doing? Where was I? And so on that, that there, that exists, but you also forget you, you know, there's, there's penalties that occur when you do go back and forth between documents. Um, and so you make more errors and it actually takes longer to do if you actually to time and think we all probably know this, but if you were to time, how long it would take you to do each task separately. Um, if you did them on their own, they would take less time than if you did them in concert with a bunch of other stuff when you're multitasking. So that's another uh, good tip, um, that I learned in the reading was number one, um, Focus on rewards because um, you get that benefit, that positive benefit of the dopamine, and also stop multitasking like totally. And one of the fun things uh, on that note that uh, that I picked up was you can stop multitasking by reducing the likelihood of interference. And um, one of the great tips there is to make your surroundings where you're doing the task that you need to focus on, make that surrounding completely boring. Make it so terribly boring (laughs) that it's actually interesting to do the thing that you need to do. Um, And studies show that like, if you don't have a phone in the room that you're doing the task, you're more likely to focus on it. Um, And that you know, lends to, you know, people who talk about batch checking emails and batch checking texts and so on. It's a great approach because you effectively put aside that potential interference, that thing that tempts you to multitask. Um, It's not an option for a chunk of time. And then the only what you have in front of you is is the tempting thing to, to spend your time with. Right. I would say also another tip that I came across was having a tool that um, forces focus or creates um, maybe like the memory of a previously focused time. And one of the things that's in the Tim Ferriss book about uh, Titans, Titans is basically a book where he interviews all these successful people about what works for them. So obviously, I think this is a very interesting book. Um, and one of the things that he noticed was that about 80% of the um, people that he interviewed from business people to music people to celebrities to Jack Dorsey from Twitter, like, you know, all these different uh, variety of, of uh, successful people, he effectively found that 80% of them have a habit of meditating and that yeah. most of them had, I think I forget the exact number, but um, a lot of them had this idea of they would listen to the same song over and over and over and over and over on repeat. And that was a way that they got focused. And he actually has a list in the book of the songs that they, the various people listen to on repeat to focus um, I thought that was really interesting because it effectively puts you in a zone, right? I mean, a- athletes would certainly be familiar with that. Um, yeah. But I think this idea of how do you get in the zone, right? Like put yourself in a boring environment, play a song that gets you into a focused state. Um, I think I used to do that when I studied in school, but I don't do it so much when I work. You're a music listener when you work. I, I listen to music for my whole work day. It's like, it's, it's so core to like my work patterns. I, I couldn't imagine not doing it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something I do. The other thing, hmm. and this is like kind of geeky, but I'm sure that people might feel this way. It, it reminds me of like gearing up before I play hockey. Um, that really gets you into like, obviously like a very focused state on this is, you know, there's this routine that exists before I go and do this activity. 
having a routine, like a set desk is really important to me. Like this, it's everything is in the same place all the time. I sit down in similar manners in the morning and that kind of gets my, my brain and an attention toward like, okay, like now it's work time. Um, do you find stuff like that is useful? It's funny. We have a longstanding uh, debate in my household about this because um, I'm actually quite fluid in my work approach. So I often need a change of scenery. So I will sometimes vary it up and go, you know, sit in a, a new location to work just to get a new way of thinking going on. Um, but when I really need to dial in and focus, I find uncomfortable chair, <laughs> nothing on the desk, um, just the computer, no music, just full on no distractions, turn off all the notifications, block a period of time, and then get it done. That's the way that I work, but it's not the same every time. See, everybody's different. Yeah, Everybody needs their own individual solution set up. Um, other things that uh, I think were consistent and things we've spoken about in this high-performance uh, season that I came across um, is you know, a great way to ensure that you can focus on something is keeping healthy. So sleeping, taking time off, ensuring movement is occurring. Uh, also a great way to keep focus is meditation. And we talked about that obviously. Um, and another interesting one is spending time in nature. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously research show that uh, significant improvement in working memory performance after nature walks or um, things uh, that are actually in nature. The, the study showed that um, there's better improvement after walking in nature than having an urban walk, which I found fascinating. You know what I find too? It's just a state change, right? Like that to me is what that is. And sometimes yeah. like advice. Well, mm, no? debatable, but nature specifically has, have you heard about this Japanese uh, uh, like trend? Um, what are it? Forest baths? They're calling them something similar to no. that? No. Mm -mm. Effectively, it's just like going for a walk in a forest has these like very distinct uh advantages and i don't want to I, I haven't read about it enough but um some of it relates to actually like what the what is in the air and what your your body is is taking in in that environment and so right. on so it's it's not only about changing environment but there's a specific advantage to being in nature right um on its own Okay, so it's a, one thing is to get out and be in a forest. And if that's not accessible, <laughs> I think too, just getting out the door sometimes and just changing your scenery, I guess, maybe more than change of state. Um, I definitely find that to be helpful, especially when stressed. You know, the compulsion is to sit there and just work and work and work and that will solve the problem. I find stand up, go for a walk, you know, then I would listen to a song or a podcast or something or nothing, and then go back and go in with a refreshed mindset. And I think that's very, um, that's been transformative for me, because in the early days of my career, I would just work my way through every problem. And I would find that the solutions were just not as good. Um, because I think what focus and what understanding how to get to your focus spot does, is it just gets you to this higher level of awareness about the issue, right? Like it's not it's yeah. this, there's a point to all of this. And I think that when you're working from effectively, what we're trying to do is work from instinct, right? Instinct, intuition, higher knowledge, higher self. 
and focus helps you do that. So I think the combination of what we've talked about is almost like a bunch of habits and and disciplines and personal things that work for people to build focus. Um, but the point is to get you to a higher level of work. And one of the things I would say about the last minute cortisol fueled stress working is the other problem with that is it doesn't allow it to breathe. Like it doesn't allow the file or the project to, you know, you might not have time, for example, to call the client and say, hey, I thought of this one thing. What's the answer to this? Right? Because you don't have time. So then you put it in a note um, and it's too late to really deal with it or, or gather more information. So I think even if just we have this idea of trying to get out of working in that stress-fueled state, it would be helpful to to the results as a as an outcome. So anyway, lots of, uh, turned out we had a lot to say about focus. Yeah. And I have to credit uh, a lot of the things that I picked up is from a book called The Distracted Mind, Ancient Brains in a High-Tech World by Adam Gazali and Larry D. Rosen. And I'll put uh, a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Okay. Well, we will be back after this break with our goods and grapes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our goods and gripes. Goods are things we want to promote and support, and gripes are things that annoy us. Darlene, good or great? Goods. Good. I would say over the holidays, I spent some time, I'm coming out of the phase where my children only like to listen to Rafi and sort of random music. And I experimented this holiday with just playing my music for them and seeing if anything happened. And it was great. They did not comment some of the songs they seemed to like. And we ended up having a house that resembled more the house that we had before kids in which we would, you know, find new music and play it, which was great. So I found some really good stuff over the holidays, man. I listened to some, I mean, just for, I'm focused on diversity in music right now and uh, as part of my um, Music Canada duties. So I would I would say I made a real effort to find artists that are um, women for my end of year list. For example, Lana Del Rey has a great album. Have you heard this album? Of course. Some really good songs on there. Yep. Okay, just checking, just checking. Um, and then I also really enjoyed Miranda Mulholland's album, which I think I've mentioned before on the podcast. It's uh, it's a very great Saturday or Sunday morning listen. And then I would say the third album that was interesting to me is that Dido has a new album because, <laughs> I mean, she's had a couple, but... Yeah, same old. If you like Dido in like the late 90s, you will still like Dido in 2020. So she's got a, a good new album. So that was nice. And just like a nice, quiet vibe around the house. That was my good. How about you for a cool. good? Well, just on that note and diversity in music, one thing that uh, I found, there's two artists on my my best of 2019 list that are of this like this new breed of artist that um, kind of went viral on YouTube as like teenagers with 
like a random performance they threw up that are now have a following and are unique and interesting artists. And um, one is called uh, Claro, who she's going to be like the next big thing this year. She's going to be gigantic, I think. Um, and the other uh, is a just a nice little uh, guy who calls himself Cave Town. And he's really cute, warm music um, that I, I would recommend both of them. And I, I'll put my list up again in the show notes. But yeah, it's ultimately so much fun to find new music. Um, I, my good uh, is... I, it's just really nice, as I said off the top of the, I, at least I enjoy this, as I said off the top of the episode, uh, we just had some time to kind of like nest in our home and do some stuff that we wanted to do for a long time. Uh, and I think it'll pay dividends well. Well, I, to- I, you know, completely cleaned out my closet and we were donating a bunch of stuff that we don't uh, use any longer. And we've done that across the house and we continue to do that a lot. Um, and it feels great. Um to simplify. So it's nice to have time to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any gripes? I would say my gripe is my growing book pile. <laughs> I oh, no. It is a renaissance of book publishing right now. <clears throat> like every day I see a new book that I'm like, oh, I'd love to read that book. I feel like there are a hundred good books this year. I've got four on the go um, and three of them are about law firm stuff. So one is called Lawyer Forward by Mike Whalen Jr. That's a really... Uh, interesting book about where the future of small and solo firms is. Um, reading the small for small firm lawyer, I think by a lawyerist, uh, which is great. I'm only a little bit of the way into it. And then I'm reading another one called Tiger Tactics. So there's three like lawyer books, um, and I'm just dipping into them so far, but I want time to read them all and get through them. So I guess it's a bit of a gripe, but it's also a good, a goody gripe. How about you? I think my grape is uh, packaging. I just, the kids got, uh, you know, toys and stuff and you, you, it looks like it's this big thing and you take it, you take it out of the package and it's actually not that much, but the package is eight times the size awesome. and yeah. then it it's waste and I don't like that. Um, I read an article so- to that end over the holidays that said that um, there is some colossal number, which I'm not even going to quote because I'm not sure I've got it right, but huge number of pounds of waste per year is returns from online shopping. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But why? Like they don't put that stuff back on the shelves. It depends. It depends. But ultimately it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a cost benefit analysis, right? Like if the product costs like, let's say $15, um, you know, and your margin is half of that. So you're looking at seven fifty. And you pay shipping and there's, and then it's out of, you know, it's probably an old product at that point. It's going to be hard to resell. Um, Is it worth actually bringing back into the fulfillment center and paying for that to occur? Uh, Or is it better to just dispose of it? Yikes. Um, So that, that's very common. Oh, well, that changes my whole approach to online shopping then, because to me, that is just not... Uh, you know, I think returns for me have been like, oh, great, I can online shop. And if it doesn't work, just send it back. That's fantastic. But that's not fantastic. <laughs> no, yeah. And, it, it, and think about like, you're the transportation, you're, you're, you're basically it's two times, like the transportation that's occurring and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that that yeah. to me was sort of the, uh, the fact that changed behavior over the holidays. I agree with you about the packaging. It's a bit of a gripe, isn't it for post holiday time? Mm-hmm. minimalism should reign. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
Okay, I'm focused on going to have some breakfast now. Ha ha ha! Focus. I'm focused on working on the thing that I've left till the last minute. <laughs> That's due on Monday. <laughs> that I have exactly okay. five and a half hours to get done um, before the weekend. So we'll well enjoy your stress hormones, darling. I'm gonna work on making it not stressful. I'm not stressed about it as it happens, but uh, I'm gonna use some of the focus tips that we've discussed today to get it done. Okay. So enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, we'll talk soon. Okay, talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Interalia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.